0: The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. College
1: football week six edition with the Wise Guy Roundtable. College football experts, both of them. To my left, Ken Thompson. To my right, Brad Powers. I'm RJ Bell. Big show coming up. Guys, the feedback's been outstanding. We've got a little surprise for you. We teased it last week at the end of the show based upon the wonderful feedback and sharing you all have been doing. This week, we've got best bets like always. we got a crossfire that's going to lead off the show. We've got Brad versus the world. We've got the biggest storylines of the week. We've got one public pounder. That's where the public is crazy on one team. Crazy big, heavy. we got pros versus Joes. Two games. we got two total picks. we got two double likes. That's when both of the experts like the same game. And a best bet from Ken and a best bet from Brad. Ooh, we buckle up. Let's get straight to it. Usually, guys, we start with Brad versus the world. We are again, but this happens to be our crossfire game. Ken, Brad does his power ratings. One, two, how many college teams? 130 now. 130 teams. And you get to cherry pick one of them that you disagree with. Which team did you disagree with with Chad or with Brad this week?
2: Yeah, first off, I got to say is they're getting better and better. I mean, each week. Entire- or maybe
1: you're getting sharper and you're agreeing yeah, with you, them. I'll, I'll take that, too. <laughs> hey,
2: either, either way, if I'm gaining any momentum, I'll take it either way. But uh, Kansas State, just a slight disagreement there with Kansas State. I had four other teams that I liked ahead of them as far as. But, you know, I, I would only drop
1: them down. He has them 25 to 29. Wow. So just in general, not much of a disagreement. No. On the power rating, we're going to have a crossfire on the game. But just in general, what is it that has you maybe a little down on K-State relative?
2: Just too one-dimensional. Just I mean, everything's Jesse Ertz. I mean, he throws it, he runs it, and they really don't have any deep threat weapons that are going to take pressure off him. And it was evident when they played Vanderbilt. When they lost in Vandy 14-7, and Ertz scored, they scored right away out of the gate. It was a 7-7 game. And you would expect Kansas State to score, and I expected Vandy to score a little more. but That game was 7-7 all the way to about the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter when Vandy went ahead 14-7. And even then, K-State, although they got inside the red zone barely, uh, could not get the tying score. So uh, just a, when, when you can't score when you have to, and when you can't score against a team like Vanderbilt, uh, you know, more than seven points. That leaves something to be desired. I don't think there's any way this year, and it was evident when Alabama went in there. And Alabama is, yes, a different animal, no doubt, but 59 nothing as opposed to losing 14 seven between number one and number 25. Kind of a little bit of a stretch there.
3: Yeah. And here's where I'm staying pat with my Kansas State number 25. Those four or five teams that you would put ahead of them, I I just don't see it because number one, I still have arguably one of the greatest coaches coaches in the history of the game on the one sidelines. I still have my quarterback being my top playmaker in Jesse Ertz. I think he's one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the country as far as running and throwing. And defensively, I still think it's a top 25 caliber unit. So I'm standing pat with my Kansas State. More of the fact that I don't like the four teams that you would put ahead of them. I'm content with leaving my number 25 in the country. Do you agree with the one dimensional? It's just the other factors make up for it. Uh, yeah, that is the worry on this team. And the reason why I've actually Dropped them a couple of points from the start of the preseason power rings. This was a team that I had probably borderline top twenty. I have adjusted as far as the loss to Vanderbilt, and even you know, even though they only won by thirteen last week in a non-cover against Baylor, I dropped them a little bit there. So I have been cognizant of the the one dimensional offense, and I have dropped them two points.
1: Okay, so every week we do the crossfire. It's when our experts disagree and battle each other. Now. In the NFL Dream Pod, we are starting to do two crossfires, one with Fezzik versus Matt Holt, our bookmaker, Matty Holt, and one versus me and Fezzik. So that one's fun. I, I beat the heck out of Fezzik on Fox Sports Radio. I can't lie in our crossfire. We'll address that on the Dream Preview also. We've got our game here. It's Texas, Kansas State, and right now Texas favored by three and a half. Brad, I'm going to let you go first.
3: Yeah, you got Bill Snyder in his preferred underdog role since he returned to the sidelines at Kansas State in 2009. Every single underdog role in the regular season, how about this? 30 and 13 against the spread, that's 70%. Sign me up for 70% over a seven, eight-year long-term stand for the rest of my career. And the reason behind I think it's valid is a guy who continues to not get respect in the marketplace like a Nick Saban or an Urban Meyer, even though I think he's one of the best of all time. And, and look, when, when the Kansas State players get off the bus, they don't have the look of, of even a Texas or an Oklahoma. So 30 and 13 against the spread, I got a nice
1: technical trend in my favor. As favorite. a dog.
3: As an underdog.
1: And, and just to be clear, you said the key point, the market's not accounting for it because with any trend, you got to ask, is it predictive? And number two, you know, so predictive means is there any logic that we can see? And number two is, has the market caught up? And you're saying you don't see K-State, you know, based on your power ratings, which isn't going to consider who K-State would be an underdog against because it's just how good this team is. Do you often see, oh, my power ratings say K-State should be a seven-point dog, but there are only six, which would be a sign the market is now betting Snyder as a dog a bunch. It
3: has gotten tighter in the past, but I'll note this is their first underdog role this season. And even last year, with everyone knowing this, they went four and one against the spread in the underdog role. All
1: right. So let's start there. We want want to go person by person. So you like not lean. It's up to a like on Kansas State. Ken, first presentation. First presentation
2: is I got a better number than what it is now. Well, I mean, he got whoa, a better number. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, We're cross a three okay. and a half. No, no, baby. I said, yeah, no, no. I got a good number now, uh-huh. so I know Brad because uh, we talked preseason. He liked this game, so he got a better number in his pocket
1: as far as yeah. Kansas but right State. now, Brad yeah. saying he likes K okay. State at plus three and a half, and you I, like. I, Texas. I was giving, yeah, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. And It's not just, always had. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. It.
2: But it's not yeah. for me. It doesn't <laughs> help me. I, I, right. I, I'm laying the three and a half and. And I, would love to see it go down to a field goal even, but I think this Texas team, (laughs) here's the thing. I think this Texas team is a lot better than we think. And it's not just based on the defensive effort that they had against USC. When you look back to the opening game against Maryland, there's a reason I was on Maryland money line against Minnesota, because I thought even going to their third string quarterback that Maryland had enough speed in the backfield with their two solid backs that they were going to give Minnesota trouble. And I looked at the Minnesota team that was at home and played a bunch of home games And I said, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of Maryland. As I look at Texas now, and I look at their whole body of work, this team is one of the few defenses, and God bless Charlie Strong. He did a nice job uh, grabbing some guys, and he weeded out some riffraff. But he got some good players there and left the cupboard pretty full there for Herman. And I think this team has probably four or five guys that will play at the next level on the defensive side of the ball. They have two quarterbacks now which could be a problem. I'm not sold that Bouchelle is the guy, but right now he's getting the lean. Now, he got a little banged up. I like Ellinger. I thought the way Ellinger played in the clutch against Southern Cal on the road in his first start was key. He's got Johnson and uh, Foreman, two outstanding receivers. And then in the backfield, you've got Warren Porter and Gerard Hurd is a quarterback that we saw win the Red River shootout there a couple years ago against Oklahoma. And this guy's got talent as well. I love Malik Jefferson as far as uh, linebacking core. And then Elliott already has four interceptions on the year. This Texas team is loaded. They're dying to get back home to play quality competition and get a win that's legit in front of the Austin fans. They pounded San Jose State 56-0, but they got beat pretty good by Maryland, and that's why this is a game that Texas is going to be up for, and they're going to win this game by double digits, RJ.
1: Okay, so I, I think both teams are going to be up, right? So I think that's probably a wash. Am I hearing you say, and this is a great big-picture tip for the early season handicapping, that as we are moving towards midseason, you still can start reevaluating what a certain result earlier meant. Mm-hmm. So you're saying Maryland is the significance of that?
2: Is Maryland's a heck of a lot better than Brad or anybody else? Exactly,
1: the and that's what I thought. So we all kind of got that opinion of Texas off that Maryland loss, which was I'm just going by memory. Were they 14 point dogs 10. or something? Oh, no. yeah, right, Se- 17, seventeen or eighteen. 18 yeah. Point. Oh, it was that high. Yeah. So that that that's that kind of iconic win or loss that. People carry with them, you're saying reevaluate. Them. Yes, for sure. All right. So, do you agree with that? Uh, yeah.
3: Texas, uh, you know, I reevaluated, I dropped them after that one. It was like. So I'm, so,
1: I'm interested. Texas from the preseason to now, what is the net, net, the ups and downs? What are the net, net adjustment for Texas? Only down two, because I reevaluated the Maryland game. And that was like a four point drop.
3: That was the only data point, And they lost outright, were legitimately beaten by double digits in that game. So, I dropped them for that first week, reevaluated, only made that like a two and a half point drop. But I'm going to use Ken's words against him here. You broke down about every single position on Texas, right? Except one key position, the offensive line of Texas, which is missing three starters. So while I agree with you, their defense has shown a lot of improvement the last three games. It's that offensive line that really concerns me. And I think Kansas State can really get some pressure. And I'm not sold quite yet on either quarterback.
1: Hmm. Any response? Well, the only response
2: is that Kansas State needs to learn how to score points. And they didn't do that on the road. Again, if you only come up with a touchdown against Vanderbilt, that scares me. I mean, big time. This is a team that is not as great as we initially thought when they got out of the gate okay. And we really looked at that Kansas State win as being significant when they were going to host Alabama the following week. And what happened? 59 nothing. So evidently that win against Kansas State for Vandy just wasn't
1: as didn't have as much luster on it as we thought. How have you adjusted Kansas State from the start of the year? Down two points, they have disappointed me, so you think this line would be about the same if they would have played before the season, both teams down two
3: yeah yeah, I would say that you know Texas being favored I'm taking advantage of the hook here, the plus three and a half, I took advantage of. Ken mentioned it six and a half was a great bet, obviously, but uh and you're say- and you're
1: referencing uh with. Uh, humble brag, as they say on Twitter, you played this in like June with the early game of the year line. I played this on Sunday,
3: this Sunday at the win opener, oh, Kansas state okay. plus six and a half. So
1: you're going down to the win every, every week, week I go down in the win. I post tickets. So what yeah. I hear, I hear the, uh, there's another dig. Like I'm not following his Twitter yeah. closely enough. Yeah, apparently, I did that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> not going to get yeah, dig away, but they're not going to yeah. slip by me is, <laughs> is, um, what's, I always hear that the crowd down there is, is like surprisingly small. How many pros are, are fighting with you for those openers? A dozen. There's a, 12 people in the world down there. Yeah. Wow. So I, I like that. We're gonna have to, you're going to have to put that on your Twitter or something. Yeah, might, might be a good idea.
3: <laughs> All right. Any closing thoughts, guys? Good Uh, luck, Ken. I've gotten you the
1: last couple of weeks. Maybe, uh, maybe. He says
2: good luck. Hey, listen, if he hits a best bet one of these
3: weeks. (laughs) Oh, I
1: love it. That's crossfire. (laughs) All right. So that was one game in. We've got Brad on Kansas State plus three and a half. Ken Thompson on Texas. Now, it's important to remember, guys, we've had multiple times that Ken disagreed with the power rating and then ended up going against that disagreement on the like or lean. And it makes a ton of sense is if you think of teams, let's say one point overrated in Brad's ratings, you might say that's your, that's your disagreement, but also you, the handicapping factors in the game could be two, two and a half points the other way. So in this case, it was Ken fading what he considered an overrated Kansas state team, but it's interesting to note. It's not always like that. Okay. Game number two, Brad versus the world. The Associated Press. Now, pregame has been now for over two years the exclusive odds provider to the Associated Press, over 750 newspapers and thousands of websites that's distributed on. We're proud of that. So be nice to the AP. Who? What's the disagreement? The disagreement is on West Virginia, who is currently
3: number 23 in the AP poll this week. I don't even have him in my top 30, and I think I'm still being kind to him, having him at number 31. And the disagreement, and here's
1: uh thing about this. Well, let's get on straight. You're not being kind. That's yeah. what you think. The, that's what you think it should be.
3: Yeah, that's. Yeah. <laughs> I, you said be kind to of the AP. So I wanted though. to
1: use the word. Here's but what, if anything, yeah. you saying that you're kind making him 31 is being yeah. harsh on the AP. That's
3: true. <laughs> Anyways, here's what and this is me saying they're overrated after reevaluating who they played this season, Virginia tech in the opener looked like a solid loss by seven points. Well, we found out last week that Virginia tech looks a little overrated. Then who in the heck is West Virginia beaten in their last three games, Delaware state, East Carolina, and Kansas, the worst team in the big 12, arguably the worst team in division one college football in Delaware state. And one of the bottom five teams in the country in East Carolina. So Virginia tech, the loss that they have doesn't look as good. You know, after reviewing the season, and then they haven't beaten anyone.
1: This team's way overrated. It's a pretty good analysis there, professional level stuff. I, I, you know, I can't lie. When I think about the limitlessness of digital distribution, I'm thinking, okay, we're doing so great with the Dream Preview Podcast. One, Adam Corolla. we're part of that digital family, and I'm on with Adam every Wednesday doing about 20 minutes with them, only a fuse football. We're just talking, which is like a dream for me because I love Adam and, you know, love some general interest stuff. By the way, 4-0 the last two weeks with Adam with the early best bets there. So that helps, makes it more fun, is I dream about, you know, the show blowing up even more. And, Brad, I think we're going to know when we've reached a real tipping point of success is when there's a drinking game around Usain beaten. Yeah. It's going to be like when Brad power says beaten and they're all going to be like, what's beaten. And it's like, drink, you got to drink. Yeah. But th- so don't try to, don't try to weed that out or, go,
2: or go to Bowling green.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Now let's go straight into the game. TCU is playing West Virginia and that lines 13 and a half TCU at home. And Ken, this line has moved. TCU opened at 11 and a half up to 13 and a half.
2: Yeah, I can't argue with it. First off, at Fort Worth, and secondly, the way TCU went into Stillwater and handled Oklahoma State throughout the game. I mean, it wasn't just a flash in the pan and one little five-minute segment went their way and they ended up winning the game. They were solid. I mean, Okie State still moved the ball, but Texas Christian showed me a lot. And Patterson has that reputation when he comes off a lackluster year, the next year, look out. And this year, we looked at the you know what's there in the cupboard. I mean, is Kenny Hill going to be that guy? Can he lead the way? And he has. He's matured a lot since uh, early days with Texas A&M. And Anderson's running the ball real well out of the backfield. Again, West Virginia, I like Greer, the transfer from Florida. He's solid. And when you look at the receivers, because you know I break down the players and and a lot of stats, sure, like RJ said. I mean, uh, like uh, Brad said, they look great stat-wise. But when you go into the body of work, East Carolina, Delaware State, Kansas, easy to put big numbers up against those teams. And then you take that Virginia Tech beatdown that they took at the hands of Clemson Again, Clemson didn't put up great offensive numbers, but they shut them down so thoroughly defensively. And at Lane Stadium to do that just showed us that Virginia Tech was not as good as we thought at the beginning of the year. Therefore, the seven-point loss by West Virginia takes some uh, credence away from that. And TCU, to me, with all those solid athletes that they have, again, Andrea, you know, Patterson does what he needs to do. And I think you know, I'm leaning towards
1: TCU. I didn't play it, but I just thought that West Virginia, I agree with them, is overrated. Okay, so Lean TCU from Ken Thompson. Brad, we were talking before the show, and you said that you guys actually both, and you do a radio show uh, extended. How long is Ken's going to keep you as long as possible without paying you. So how, how long are you on with him? Two hours. <laughs> Two hours now. Woo, dog. And Ken has really a wonderful show here in town in Vegas. It's on KDON. It's one of the few stations in the whole country, which is 50,000 watts at night. And that means it's hard to California, Utah, all that stuff. And uh, Ken does two hours and really good stuff. And you can follow if you're interested in that show and get streams and stuff at Sports X Radio on Twitter. But you were talking how, as you guys discussed this game last night, that you've kind of flipped on where you were leaning. Can you help me understand? Because I'm always fascinated by the evolution of a handicap. And one of my favorite times is during the show. This happens about twice a month. We used to have some old guys that it would never happen, which always bothered me. And I'm very happy. Now we've got open-minded handicappers who hear a point. They go, you know, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. And they'll either go from a lean to a pass or even switch leans. What was your thought process that got you leaning towards TCU? Well, it, it looked a, a little steep considering how high powered West Virginia's offense
3: is and the possibility for a nice back door and a West Virginia team that dominated TCU last year, 34 to 10. We both thought that the number looked a little steep at 13 and a half. After analyzing and going over both, not only West Virginia's schedule that I said makes them overrated, but also TCU's schedule, which makes them, in my opinion, underrated. Here's a team that beat Oklahoma State outright on the road, beat Arkansas outright on the road. Heck, even their win over SMU looks pretty good. SMU's 4-1 straight up, 5-0 and against the spread. So now that win looks better than what it was two, three weeks ago. So TCU underrated because of the schedule they played. West Virginia overrated. And also, key trend, Gary Patterson off a of bye. How about this? 13-2 against the spread the last 10 years in the regular season. I like getting Patterson, a great coach, with extra time to
1: prep. Yeah. I love those off by stats, but especially if it's a coach, I think is excellent anyway, because it there's logic behind it. All right. Good stuff. Game number three. This is not Brad versus the world, but it does talk about his power ratings. And this going to be one of the three kind of storyline games we've got where we think there's a dominant storyline. It's Alabama, Texas A&M Bama favored by 26 and a half on the road. Wow, remember when Johnny Football beat him and then the whole offseason in the weight room, Saban had that tape playing on repeat? It's been a long time since that. Not that long in calendar months, but Brad, you said something on Twitter that I did see Thank that you. was fascinating, that you have Alabama historically ranked right now. Explain uh, I've
3: been doing power ratings back to my Phil Steele publication days for the last 10 years. And currently, the current power rating that I have on Alabama is higher than any other team I've ever had, no matter what, whether it's week one or at the postseason, preseason. Right now, I have usually that I go up to 100, but like uh, Spinal Tap, I've had to go to 11. I've had to crank Alabama up to like 101.5. And, and what it is, is here's a team that. Last year, historically, was great. Even last year's team was power-rated up there as the top. And yet, even with the the premium that you normally pay on Alabama, it's a team that's covered the point spread by four-plus touchdowns in each of the last two weeks. So the market's definitely upgrading them. Obviously, I have to uh, in myself. But I do think they're a little bit, even with me having them historically high as far as this game goes, I do think that you're paying too much for a premium on the
1: Crimson Tide. Okay, so you've got a... Lean on A and M here, but let's think for a moment. And Ken, I want to get your thoughts on this. So what Brad's saying, he added a wrinkle that I thought was interesting. Imagine every team. There's a snapshot of that team taken by the aliens, mm-hmm. and it's week one of 2017 is a snapshot, and there's 130 of them. Let's say that you're rating, then 130 in week two, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then for the last 10 years, you're doing that. So if we just go 10 times 10, there's 100 plus, you know, we, well, you know, let's say 140 or so weeks in those 10 years you've been doing this. And then there's over a hundred teams, right? So 140, 14, like 14,000 different snapshots or a few more, if you actually do the math and of all those 14, so it would have been Alabama this week could have played Alabama week two in 2011. And if you look at all those snapshots, this team would be favored over all 14,000 teams. Yeah. I th- and it's a culmination. You didn't know that you said something so interesting.
3: Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it, RJ is the culmination of like seven or eight straight number one recruiting classes. And that just continues to build the talent level, you know, consistently. And his coaching staff for the most part's gotten better. And his support so, staff's gotten better.
1: Oh, you know, yeah. Success building yeah. upon itself. So, Ken, do you agree with that? This is the best team you've seen.
2: No. I think the Clemson team that won last year is better than this year's Alabama team.
1: Wow. Really? Yep. So you must have thought Clemson. What 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 did you have the line in Clemson what was the line on that? Like seven, six? or what, six or seven? Did you think Clemson was better than Alabama? Not until after the game. So that game caused a huge reevaluation. Yeah, well, I, I lost, for you.
2: I lost money on that game. I
1: needed. So you actually s- thought that Bama was cheap? I did, and I'll tell you what, it.
2: I I really thought they'd win by double digits. Deshaun Watson not only proved me wrong there. I mean, I should have listened to my buddy who told me they're going to rip your Ohio State Buckeyes. I thought Ohio State would at least get on the scoreboard, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, Sorry, of R.J. Uh, just saying, you know, I to, no, but um, no. Realistically, well, a program, R.J., and you know you've been around. Buckeye football for a long time as I get a I get the Buckeye back here from Brad but uh, you know to see them get shut out in a game that has that much meaning that that's impressive I mean Clemson showed me a lot and Sweeney's done a heck of a job there and I didn't think he was as big time as Saban he's not yet but he boy there's one and one a and S- and Sweeney's showing me
1: that you know it doesn't matter how big the stage his teams are ready and we'll be talking Clemson Wake Forest here in a few minutes Real quick, let's wrap up this handicap.
3: Yeah, Texas A&M historic uh, home underdog role haven't been this big of a dog in nine years. They're better than expected. I would wonder, hey, what's this line? Have they just closed the deal against UCLA in the opener and they blow a 34-point lead? Since then, they won four games. They've won a couple of SEC games. This isn't Ole Miss, a team that quit against Alabama the week before. It's not Vanderbilt where Alabama's five, especially, you know, more fired up than usual against this is a quality team with a lot better athletes than the last two teams, Alabama crushed. So give me the
1: Aggies plus the major points at home. Okay. So can you, you actually have a like more than a lean on Anna.
2: Yeah. And here, here's the thing again, I, I think there is major separation after watching the first four weeks to, I mean, the the separation is huge for Alabama and Clemson's defenses. I think their defenses are by far the best in football. In fact, when I was watching Virginia tech Clemson at the beginning, I was like, I got no shot. I was plus seven and a half with Virginia tech. And I just looked and I even asked Brad, I go, Brad, did Virginia tech look small? Like on that? I mean, it looked, I, I wanted to adjust my set. I'm like, wait, I, I got like pop Warner guys going against college guys. I mean, that's how I felt. And I knew I was in trouble in that game. When I look at this A&M team though, I like Kellen Mond, the, the blue chipper quarterback. And he's blue collar. He's a guy that, you know, he'll run it. And we didn't even know if he could throw the ball. Cause he wasn't the, the guy that, uh, you know, uh, someone wants in there, but he's shown that he can do both and you've got a, a running back tandem of Williams and Ford that are outstanding. Again, they, they played, you know, not the strongest schedule, especially nickel state. And then they struggled with UL Lafayette. They found a way to come back and beat Arkansas. And then they struggled through and get past South Carolina, the game against UCLA. We know they should have won. They had a 30 point lead and they blew that. So this team should be undefeated. They're kind of under the radar with that loss to UCLA college station, still the 12th man, these people will be fired up. Look, I'm not saying Bama doesn't win by 20, you know, but I'm saying that Texas A&M stays within inside the 26 and a half. So as good as this Alabama team is, I think they are uh, and Clemson the by far the top two teams, but it's because the field sucks as opposed to Bama being the best team over the last decade. Yeah.
1: So it doesn't seem like there's any disagreement that that uh Bama is excellent and certainly a top two team, right? Uh, Do you have, what's your line Clemson, Alabama on a neutral if they play this week?
2: Uh, I I would have Bama, I would say Bama four and a half.
1: Okay, so you think clearly better than Clemson. Okay, here's my concern before it's
2: It's it's quarterback experience. Uh, You're giving me Hurts over Bryant and that's that's the thing because Hurts did it and found a way and he played in that
1: big game last year, the championship game and came within a play of winning it. Here's my one concern. I think you're right. There's an inflation here, but this reminds me of the Roman empire. Let's go back a few years. <laughs> Rome was a very good HBO series too. Is there, and I'm no history buff. I mean, I've, you know, I went to college and, and all, but is there, there was a guy named Hannibal, right? Which is really where Hannibal Lecter coming from. Who was this amazing general. And it was from, uh, the Carthagins, they were called. I'm not exact. Is that right? Ken's nodding. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm just oh. listening. <laughs> and they actually, Hannibal actually was in Rome for about 20 years, taking the fight to Rome. Imagine in today with, you know, satellites and everything, it would be impossible. But the Roman Empire was the most dominant empire in the world. But this dude, Hannibal, was hanging out in Rome for 20 years, just fighting them like crazy. And there's an old saying from the Romans that was Hannibal's at the gates. They used to scare their kids saying, hey, Hannibal is going to get you. He's running around. And they tried to fight him for so long and they finally got him. Here's the thing. When Carthagin's, when those people had a drop off, Rome went to that city, finally beat the city. They tore down every building. They burned it all. And then they salted the earth. They didn't want anything to be able to grow or be built on the site of that city for like hundreds of years because they didn't want anyone to remember that someone actually was not necessarily beating them, but even being competitive. Well, Nick Saban is like the Romans. I got a feeling if he can beat them 60, nothing, he's going to beat them 60, nothing because he doesn't want anyone to even feel good about competing with him or he's going to get you back. And that's his mentality. And that's a great point, because the year
3: after Johnny Football left, 52 nothing was the final.
1: And we always have talked about when the line gets above three touchdowns, it's about motivation. It's about the will to dominate a team or to, you know,
2: because, again, dominate odds. teams in the SEC because he took it easy on Fresno State. That's and Colorado what saying. State. Because
1: yes. he had no reason. Exactly. And the reason they take it easy isn't so much he has empathy or sympathy. They don't want to show their cards. And I also, vanilla in the second half, I or vanilla oftentimes the whole game but also doesn't want the injuries would rather just,
2: they'd rather No, you're right though. Second half, because what he does on those mountain yeah. West teams is he pours it on the games out of control first half. And then he plays even, even up pretty and much. And A lot half. of sharps
1: will look at the second half mm-hmm. unders in those games. So doesn't mean you guys are wrong, but it is a pause. It is a little pause. I think you're, you're hearing me, Brad. Oh, I am. That's <laughs> why I was a
3: lean. Not alike. I'm, I'm afraid of the big bag saving.
2: <laughs> no, there's no doubt. And I will say a key for a to cover. Is Christian Kirk, the receiver, yep. not only from his receiving core position, but he's got to come up big on special teams. He's got to have a couple big returns for them
1: to set up some short fields. This is pregame.com. I'm RJ Bell. That was Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, the Wise Guy Roundtable here in Las Vegas. You know, we haven't talked about it, and we we won't. I'll just make it quick because, you know, it's life and death, and this is fun, but obviously the the shooting the mass shooting here in town. The one thing I, I'm going to say, two things. One, the amount of sympathy and empathy I felt from the country has been wonderful. You know, Vegas is always looked at with a little like, you know, you guys are decadent and all that. But when it comes to life and death, I mean, nothing but support. And I'm proud of the town. Ken, how long have you been here, Ken? Seventeen years. All right. So I've just a little longer. I've been here nineteen, and. You know, I, 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 I've been in multiple towns. I've never seen a town with uh, that's more kind of, I've, we've seen it all. We've done it all. You could say Elvis is coming back and he'd be like, yeah, he was here for five years at the international, you know, it, it, it's hard to kind of make people have any strong emotion in this town. Cause one, they're transient. They come and they go a lot. And number two, we have seen a lot, right? This is a spectacle as a city. Uh, The amount to see those blasé people generally respond. And, you know, I was telling Adam Crowley, it felt like the response with the blood and the food was more than even a typical city. And I'm not trying to compare. I'm just saying I think Vegas would have been an underdog to kind of have that community sense. And I think the reason is because the attacker was attacking the Vegas way. I really, and I'm the only one that's heard, if if there was like somehow a mass shooting at a school and obviously knock on wood and not even fun talking about it hypothetically, I think Vegas would have done fine responding to it, right? We're all humans and kids and all that. But I think attacking, you know, the the tourism, attacking like what Vegas is, is a weekend of concerts almost made people... And I'm not even sure if it's conscious, but it just felt like you're attacking the Vegas way. And, and we're a going great to respond point. That, even
2: more. That's a great point, especially around the, the states and around the world. But because a lot of those people will make it here at least once or twice a year. And they look at Vegas as that retreat that they can go and do what the heck they want. All of a sudden, that's in jeopardy. You're trying to take that away from us and make us not want to go there. And yes, the country bonded
1: together. And you know the old joke is, if you do this, the terrorists win, you know which people make as a joke mm-hmm. because it was such a, a cliche after nine eleven is like go shopping or the terrorist wins or whatever and but I genuinely believe that if the terror and again not making any terrorist connections here or whatever, but uh you know to you know the foreign powers and all al qaeda et cetera but is the idea of what city do you think Al Qaeda or ISIS hates the most? You'd have to think Vegas is somewhere high on the list because all the infidels type talk is pr- applies to Vegas more than and, and, most. and
2: you would think that. And then you go back to 9-11 and understand that those that were in those planes were here prior to drinking and partying at places like the Olympic Gardens. This is all logged down. So they're doing things that they're not supposed to be doing when they're here. And so they hold that against us because that's not as far as, you know, we, we have that choice,
1: which I think, I think think that's well said, Ken, because, you know, different people have said the best way to beat, uh, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, uh, the hate of America is spread the wealth and the, and the, I guess, joy of life that America has. And obviously America has a lot of problems too, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, at many levels and a lot of serious, you know, ethical or religious people would say, Hey, we have too much decadence, not just in Nevada, but the whole country. But if you think about what drives, and again, I don't even think this is political. I think it's just human nature. Mm -hmm. If you're happy, you're probably not going to do extreme stuff. And, and most people in some unhappiness, is psychological problems like you can't even, you know, anyone that's ever done, you know, and I've been pretty honest in my college days, I had some fun. Right. And anyone that's ever done psychedelics, you don't think about the world the same way after because you literally can hallucinate and see something. And it looks like it's ta- like a computer is talking to you or something that they depict it in movies. But I have friends that did psychedelics and they told me there's some truth to that. And imagine if the idea that once you see that, you know, you realize that objective reality is something that's based on the human seeing it objectively. If you're insane, you're not looking at things objectively, So having a Big Mac or something isn't going to necessarily keep you from wanting to blow things up. But with sane people, usually happiness causes you not to do extreme things. And I think we would all agree having good amount of tasty food, having a nice big TV set, having Netflix, all that stuff generally makes people happier. It doesn't make them happy necessarily the threshold of happiness, but it makes them happier. And the idea that the best way to fight terrorism is to bring the joy that we've figured out how to enjoy to the rest of the world is, is a fascinating point. And Vegas obviously is the epitome of that. Uh, Brad, you, you're new to Vegas, right? F- 15, 16 months now. What was your just quick impressions?
3: Uh, exactly what you said. I was actually surprised because you have so many people that aren't from this. They haven't been here like 20 years like you guys have. I was, and I think the the reason that they did uh, come together was like you said. I mean, I, I, they attacked what's something that we hold near and dear to our hearts. Everyone that lives here has gone down to the concerts. Everyone has taken a part of at least that lifestyle here. And for them, for some one guy to maybe possibly impact the way we handle our business down there from this point forward, whether it be metal detectors or anything that we got to do.
1: uh, Yeah, we took that to heart. No question about it. That's Brad powers. I'm RJ bell joined by Ken Thompson. All right. On to some of that fun. We've been talking about next game. It's our second storyline game. It's an injury game. This is a game that is affected by injuries more than any other, maybe this uh, year so far amongst the games we've covered. And I think in colleges, the injuries aren't as prevalent uh, in the news media. And thus, I think there's a real chance the market doesn't properly account for them. So, Brad, I'm going to start with you. We've got Notre Dame favored by 13 and a half. This has moved pretty drastically down from 16 maybe not drastic, but a big move six minus 16 for Notre Dame down to 13 and a half against North Carolina.
3: Yeah. And the reason being is Notre Dame's quarterback. That was hush, hush, didn't get injured in last week's game, but was seen in a walking boot early practice Monday and Tuesday that dropped the line because he's gone to questionable. It's not only the the possible fact that he might not play for Notre Dame, but they have three, their top three running backs are all questionable. And then on the other side, you have North Carolina, which
1: is the classic cluster injury, right? Going from one to two, can be a big deal, but oftentimes it's not going from one to four can be a real big deal.
3: Yeah. And let's face it, uh, running backs, not usually worth, you know, a point on the game, but when you're going from one to four and they're, you know, first string guy is a top 10 rusher in the country. That might be worth a point on the power rating adjustment downgrade.
1: So Ken, let's start with the injuries and you're a player guy. What's your
2: take? Okay. Yeah. So Wimbush in the walking boot, Josh Adams, who's the guy, the key guy, questionable with a high ankle sprain uh, and then you have Dexter Williams and Tony Jones Jr. So you have four of the top five like he's saying and again Wimbush is that quarterback now that we've seen he's a game breaker as Boston College covering right there down a point third quarter next thing Wimbush takes over and we've seen that consistently from him as well he doesn't throw it the best but he's got a couple of decent receivers uh, but again will he be there or will Ian Book who's only three of eight on the season for 51 yards will he get the start he's rushed five times 40 yards so not a bad eight yard per carry there but they're gonna have to rely on defense and special teams to shorten the field if they have to go with uh, several you know guys that are not used to playing and north Carolina's not going to feel sorry for them north carolina's got their own their own uh, bunch of injuries they do have surat their quarterback will probably go on this game but other than that they've lost a lot of weapons already and you know it's a game that when you look at it you know i'm leaning towards a uh, slight lean towards north carolina just based on that they're at home He'll get up for the game. And if two or three of these guys are out for Notre Dame, it's going to be a game that probably gets shortened. and North Carolina hangs around.
3: Yeah. Let me say that. I thought it was overpriced at the set, the 16 or 17. So I already thought that was a couple points too high to begin with. So even with the downgrade of the two, three points in the marketplace, you know, me downgrading
1: at two, three points still says value on North Carolina. So that's interesting. So what you're saying is there's two types of line moves. Yep. Line moves based on batting. So the theory is nothing's changed. But now that these certain people with this lopsided amount is betting it, the market is reset. So I, I hate playing against line moves. I hate playing either way with line moves, right? Cause if you play the same team that moved the line, you're taking the worst of it, which I hate. But if you're fading it, you're playing against professionals, just getting a point or point and a half more, which might get you below 52.38. So below profitable for the wise guys, but it doesn't get me to 52.38. That's the thing you got to realize if you're playing against the pros, you've got to really feel confident that they're wrong and you're right. And, you know, in rare cases I do, and that's what really separates the best batters is when they're willing to square, look straight at the wise guys and say, I disagree and go ahead and bet away. I'm going to take the better number. So, but there's a second type of line move, which is information. And usually information is going to be about the absence of a player uh, or a player coming back. It might be injury, might be suspension like Zeke Elliott. When he was going to play and not going to play and going to play, the line would move based on information. So what you're telling me, this line move was more about additional information since the opener about the injuries that caused an adjustment. Uh, It's all all mainly injury because of Brandon Wimbush, the Notre Dame quarterback. And, and the idea of the two and a half points going through a key number of 14. So let's call it three points. Cause that number is probably worth double. That's about what you think the drop off is from first string to second
3: string at QB. I think it should be slightly more because when and even if Wimbush plays, he relies on his feet and he's mm-hmm. got a foot injury. So yep. I think it should be more. The backup is a you know, not your typical four or five star recruit, he's only a three star guy that's you know, barely played just a couple of games this year. So to me, that would be a probably a four point downgrade, not your two but and a half. We're not points. certain the QB's out, not certain. But, I, you know, what? I think it's a negative impact even if he plays, again, because he relies so heavily on his feet. And when you got a foot injury, obviously that's going to impact you in that uh, part of the game.
1: Which brings up the point is don't think of injuries like a binary an A or a B. It's either he's out, which is a clear effect, or he plays and he's 100%, or he plays in some percentage of 100%. So it sounds like there's a distinct possibility he doesn't play, which would be a, a fairly drastic effect. And there's a, it sounds like a good chance he will play, but be hobbled. Absolutely. But here's why I don't like North Carolina. I only lean with North
3: Carolina. Ken briefly mentioned it. And this is why this is the injury game. North Carolina, 15 players out for the year, more banged up than any other team in the country. So uh, while Notre Dame is banged up for this particular game, North Carolina has some major issues moving forward.
2: And the thing is RJ is, uh, you know, it's not just being banged up Notre Dame. It's having four guys from the same position that are banged up. That are going to be running that ball. We saw it happen to USC against Washington State. Same thing. Offensive linemen in bunches were hurt in that game. You get away if one of those guys is out. Maybe even two. You start hitting three and four. It's hard to get that uh,
1: cohesiveness on an offensive line. Great stuff from the boys. This is the Dream Preview. The third of three storyline games. Florida State. Miami of Florida. And the storyline is. This is a rescheduled game from the Hurricane. So let's start there. What's the effect of the rescheduling?
3: I think it's a positive for both teams, because had they played this a couple weeks ago, this would have been two teams that were starting young quarterbacks. Uh, Francois for Florida State got hurt in the opener. They had a game that was canceled because of the hurricane, and then they decided to postpone this game because both had the same bye week. So I think you would have had a really sloppy game two, three weeks ago. Now you have two young quarterbacks with a couple extra games of experience. So I think it's a net positive for both teams that we're playing this game this week instead of a
1: few weeks back. So Ken, anything on that? And additionally, let's do the handicap on the game.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I'll give Florida State home field advantage. It's still a big rivalry. I mean, back in the Bowden days, this was the biggest game. And uh, we remember Florida State with those wide right references. Uh, But this was the game that, Meant everything to them, and Miami got the better of them down the stretch. So it's still a big time rivalry. It's big in the state of Florida. Anytime you get the triangle of Florida, Florida State, and Miami competing against each other, it's going to be, you know, that much more uh, meaning to those schools because of the bragging rights and being from that state. A lot of those kids. Uh, Florida State, they struggled at Wake Forest. I had Wake Forest. They end up covering that game. But I think Blackman has enough experience now under his belt that he's not going to be intimidated and he's not going to be under the extreme pressure that he was in his first start which was also at home I think now he's got a home game under his belt got a road game and and a win you know wasn't pretty but a seven point win against Wake Forest going back home and I think he'll be ready for this game I like Rozier in Miami I think there's a lot of potential there they were solid defensively against Duke and shut him down so it's a game that I can see go either way, but I'm going to lean, very slight lean, to Florida State just based on the home field. All right, good stuff from Ken, Brad.
3: Lean or like? Lean with Florida State. I think they might be a little disrespected. This is the team that we beat in seven straight years, and you're meaning to tell me? Drink. Yeah, nice. Wow, <laughs> love it. I will not change. Seven- oh, yeah, you're going to have to somehow trademark it. Yeah, I will. <laughs> seven straight years, they defeated this team. And you're meaning to tell me I'm at home and now I'm a home underdog, this team that we've owned in this series the last seven years. So maybe a little bit disrespect there, but here's why it's only a lean for me for Florida state. I'm worried about that offensive line gave up 17 tackles for loss last week against wake forest. I loved Florida state last week. It was my game of the month. I pushed in some markets lost in most. So I I love Florida state. I downgraded them even more after that game that they won by seven and Miami on the other side, top five defensive front seven in the country. So that is a position, uh, a matchup to watch if Florida state can't win that
1: one, or at least hold their own. They're in deep trouble. Real quick in just 30 seconds. And when we don't have such a tight show, we can dig deeper. You've been high on Florida state since I've known you like higher than the market. Do you feel like you were wrong about something like Fisher's not as good, or this or that, or is this just a matter of couple bounces, couple injuries? I, two specifics. Last year, I was you know high on him coming in this
3: season, but everyone threw him in the trash. He lost by forty three to Louisville, and I found value playing on him consistently after that game. So an overreaction to that one. Even I mean, obviously the team still ended up winning the Orange Bowl over Michigan. Shouldn't have been a touchdown underdog. And this season, I you know again was high on Florida State. And I thought that as far as the markets go the last couple of weeks, I expected improvement with their quarterback, Blackman, last week. Didn't get it. So I was, ro- I was right about Florida State last year. So far, I'm obviously wrong on Florida State coming
1: off that beating against Wake Forest. That's Brad Powers. This is the Dream Preview. Next game, a public pounder. It's our one public pounder. What's that? Well, the public is pounding the game. And if you go to pregame.com, click the Game Center tab up top, you get to see both a overview, a odds page and a consensus page. There's three little tabs. The consensus page has the cash percentages on the games and the ticket percentages. The only place in the world for free, you can see the cash percentages. If you haven't used it, it's free. Take advantage. Don't even have to register at the site. It's all free. And we got a good mobile version too. If you're a mobile first person and The reason the cash is so important, you can actually understand where the pros likely are. And we'll be talking about that next game for pros versus Joe. So I'll tease ahead to that. Let's talk about the public pounder. Georgia has 88% of the tickets and 85% of the cash. Georgia is 17 and a half at Vanderbilt. Ken. Yeah, you know, and
2: coming off the uh, the Bama game, the 59 nothing game, you know, I'm thinking, Vandy, boy, now they got to go to Florida. They're going to get pummeled again. And they end up not covering the game, but they were right there, and they were exchanging scores early on. So it's a game that I'm staying away right here, and the reason is it almost looks too easy. Georgia's had back-to-back blowout wins against Mississippi State in between the edges, and then really poured it on Tennessee almost to where... You know, you're thinking Butch Jones fighting for his life there, coaching life. If he gets pummeled in this game, I thought he'd get fired. I still think he doesn't last the season. I, at the end of the year, I, I believe he will be relieved. And I'm surprised they're not making the move now to give themselves a longer chance in search committee. And then to also to have dibs on some of the better guys that are out there, uh, you know, initially. but uh, So we get one pass. Uh, I allow you guys. I, I think Georgia could win by 40, but I could
1: also see him sleepwalking and winning by 13. Okay. So... You know, Brad, one of the things that I wanted to talk about and maybe you can discuss it with this game is just how good Georgia is. Because you're starting to hear like, if you just look at the scores, it's back to the idea of the narrative. If Georgia was ranked second coming in the season behind Alabama, where would they be right now? Second, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea of Clemson being better, how much of that is on if you actually just look on the field. And forget how good a team was supposed to be. If you just look kind of like the Sagarin ratings, which is just considering what's happened on the field, how good is Georgia? Well, in my current power ratings,
3: I have them top five in the country. I actually liked them more than the, the, the most of the markets in the preseason because I had a bunch of Georgia tickets early. Uh, I had them... Powerings. So, in
1: individual games.
3: Individual games. Early on, I thought there was value on Georgia. My power rings said, "Hey,
2: this team's better than the market." And but I, did, but did you think that after Eason went down because Eason was the guy that was coming back quarterback wise? And I don't think until Georgia went into Notre Dame and beat the Irish did we think Fromm could step up to the big stage.
3: And, and I made the point: the market's downgraded Georgia too much going from Jacob Eason to Jake Fromm. Shouldn't have been much, I but it was downgrade a downgrade. At
1: downgrade. At is What's it that? to this day? Is it still a downgrade?
3: No, I reevaluated. It wasn't that. It was a a non-factor. But if the
1: starting quarter, if the quarterback got hurt, came back 100% right now, would you upgrade Georgia? No, I
3: would not do anything with their power rating. But, you know, bringing it back, I mean, I still have this team upgraded seven points, even though I had them higher, power rated higher than most of the market coming into the season. They're top five right now. The problem is the market's treating them almost like Alabama. Remember, just two weeks ago, Alabama was an 18 or 19 point favorite at Vanderbilt. Flash forward a couple weeks. Now, George is laying 17 and a Ooh, half against that's Vanderbilt. that's an interesting point. That's where I think there's value here on the Commodores plus the points. And you're exactly right. I thought they'd fold after the Alabama game last week. They didn't. They actually got front door covered against Florida. Bad beat if you're a Vanderbilt mm-hmm. backer. They showed me life in that game. And I think they'll show some fight here. And
1: you've got a lean, though, on Vanderbilt.
3: Because like Ken said, I could also see George's defense. Yeah. Just, at, just shutting down this Vanderbilt offense.
1: Right. It is, the, uh, it is
2: the question mark. As I said, Bama and Clemson's defense, by far the best in the country, but Georgia with 10 returning star- starters, they're not as big as both those two defenses on the line, but
1: they're fast and they're quick, and their safeties, their corners, and their li- outside linebackers are extremely fast. Almost like we had a plan. Next game is Clemson. Now, Clemson is one of our two pros versus Joes. So we talked about the, the ticket count. We talked about the cash count. So there's two ways to see where the Joes are and the pros are. One is what this game is, which is 82% of the tickets on Clemson, but 94% of the cash. So you're thinking, wait a minute, that probably means the pros are betting big on Clemson because there's even more cash percentage wise. But look at the line line opened up 22 and a half. It's down to 21 and a half. So, What you end up seeing is when you have a preponderance of money one way, and the line moving the other, it's a sign of one of two things: the 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 sharpest faces. Now, what does a face mean? All money's not created equal. Imagine you're sitting at the Venetian, and Maddie Ho CG Technology—that's one of their outfits, biggest bookmaker in Vegas. Guys betting fifteen thousand a hand of blackjack. I mean, that's all the time happening and more he's going to even sit and have the football game on at dinner when he's eating his comp dinner, he's going to throw 50 dimes on it just to get a little tingle. And does, does the Venetian bookmaker look at or CG technology in this case and say, oh, we got to move this line? No. Now, there's two reasons to move a line. One, the bet tells you something as a bookmaker that, hey, this sharp guy likes something. And number two, it's because you're so lopsided. Well, even fifty thousand is not going to make a book as big as CG have to move just to get evened up. So it's just booking the face. And sometimes there'll be a guy bets two thousand that will move a lot because they know he's never dummying up a game. He's always betting what he likes. And this guy hits fifty five and a half percent for the last ten years. So we're going to move it based on him. So whatever's going on in this game, it's, it's 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 about either that $2,000 type guy betting or the bookmakers just looking at it saying, you know, we don't mind being lopsided on this game, which is another sign the sharper side is Wake Forest. So in this case, the Joes are heavy on Clemson and the professionals in some way and not the most obvious way on Wake Forest. This is as of Tuesday when we're taping. And remember, guys, the other way you can do a pros versus Joes is if you see a big disparity between the cash and the tickets, imagine that the tickets have 90%, but the cash is only 55 on that team. Well, obviously we know what's going on there. That's the big bets being on one team. All right. So getting to this specific game, we got Clemson minus 21 and a half against Wake Forest.
2: Ken, I would probably take a shot with Wake Forest. Had they beaten Florida state? Cause then they stay undefeated. They get a win against the Florida State team again with a backup quarterback. But now you're going into Clemson. You're going into Death Valley. And it's a defense to me, like I said, that, again, the offensive stats with Kelly Bryant, they're not imposing. They're not something that's going to jump out at you on the page. But the defense doesn't give up anything. And when they play somebody like a Virginia Tech or like a Louisville, they shut them down. So I can understand why some of the Sharps may say, you know what, this is Wake Forest. You're not really getting a pat on the back or a gold star for knocking off the Demon Deacons at home. So I could see why that line dropped a point. I just have a slight lean to Clemson and reason being is that defense is so dominant. I see them by the fourth quarter being up double digits and then pulling away, getting a late to score just because they, they're they at home and they're just going to pull away. I mean, it's just, just I don't the see
1: the, I just don't see the offensive firepower with Wake Forest to score on the road in Death Valley. And remember, I'm forcing these guys, even if it's a half a point, to give us a lean, except for one game, which they get to pass, and one game they get to do a total. Oh, by the way, Brad's passing this game. So he's taking his one pass. Real quick, it seems like obviously the sharper side, I'm not judging Ken necessarily, being square can be hip, as Huey Lewis said, but the sharper side... Seems to be Wake Forest. What keeps you, one question, what keeps you from leaning Wake Forest?
3: Uh, Motivation for Clemson. Pure powering says Clemson's a play. How motivated are they going to be? They weren't motivated a couple weeks ago in a flat spot against Boston College, failed to cover a large number. The question I have is, this looks like a flat spot. I get why the the Sharps are betting Wake Forest, because Clemson's off a big win against Virginia Tech. But does Dabo Sweeney remind his players, we came out flat two weeks ago against Boston College, I want you guys performing lights out for the you know the kickoff on so that's the question I
1: have. Wow, that was great because a couple of things. One, even though I'm forcing these leans, if you have a situation that if A happens, I like this team and if B happens, I like this team and I don't know if A or B is going to happen, you stay away from the game. Yep. And though we're you know kind of nudging them to have some leans even when it's only half a point, that is a great way when you have uncertainty That's the better's advantage is pass. Uh, Leave the game alone. You can bet in game even if you're serious. Once you see, and again, you could probably get, that's an example with motivation, you could get a good feel early in that game and potentially bet it in game. Absolutely.
2: So that's but, a great point though, on the Boston college and not only this year, but it happened last year when they nearly lost. Well, not nearly lost, but let Troy hang around within six points. Again, we saw Troy take out LSU. It's one of the better defenses out of a smaller conference like the sunbelt. But at the end of the day, one blemish like that, because it is against a, uh, a foe that you should handle. So a loss to wake forest is even more detrimental to Clemson because it shows, wait, you didn't just lose a game at Virginia Tech. You lost to Wake Forest in Death Valley. And when you get to a 14
1: playoff, that can knock you out at the end. And I also thought the point, and as Ken was saying, that Brad made that was especially good, is if motivation is the question, can you find good reasons to think the team's going to be motivated? And having just had a similar type game that they weren't motivated, you would think almost like Saban with his unending revenge against A&M because they got beat once. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the level you're at, right? You beat yeah. me once <laughs> five years ago. I'm going to make you pay. But I think you're right. A, a coach as good as Sweeney keeps me away from the dog here too. Okay, number two of two, pros versus Joes. We've got Auburn minus 21 hosting Mississippi. Almost 100% of the tickets and cash. Now, this is as of Tuesday, but with our source for the Game Center, $26,000 has been bet so far on this game and almost 100% on Auburn. So the Joes, Auburn, pros, Mississippi, because the line has dropped from 22 to 21. Now, remember, the line dropping isn't, Just about this out, this source, it's the whole marketplace and they're going to move on air. Everybody moves on air. Just to be clear, is if Chris Pinnacle moves the game from 22 to 21, most books aren't waiting to take that dog bet. They're going to get that baby to 21. That's why that makes sense. All right, Brad, leaner like. Uh, I lean with the Joes here. It's hip
3: to be square. I'm taking Auburn because. It's
1: it's, really, that's ironic, by the way. It's not hip to be square. It's not? No. All right. Just deal with it, though.
3: Yeah, I will deal with it. You that. might think I'm
1: crazy. Oh,
3: wow. <laughs> All right. I cannot force myself at any point right now in the next couple of weeks to have an old Miss ticket. And here's what I saw in last week's beatdown at the hands of Alabama, a game that they lost 66 to 3. I saw quit from several of their players. I saw quit from their players early on in the game. There was an interception return touchdown where the wide receiver was right there, can make a tackle, and he just stood there. Todd Blackledge, the analyst, was freaking out. He said, what is this guy doing? How can you quit on a play? It's the first quarter. They have an interim coach right now. He's lame duck. He's not going to get the job next year. If they're 0-4 against the spread this year, this number really, uh, anything under 24, I, I cannot force myself to have an old Miss ticket.
1: My saying is, I always want to take the points in the NFL if I can if the team is motivated. Once a team's not motivated, sometimes there's factors so big, none of the other half points, you know, 10 half points in a row equals five, doesn't matter. And, you know, listen, I've had a hell of a NFL season. I mean, Ken was trying to act like his was better. I mean, his has been pretty good, but I've had a hell of a NFL season so far because I play a lot of dogs. and It's been dogs, especially the last two weeks. Smaller sample size. True enough. But what I will say is this, though, I, I will say just for the record, Ken, is my fourth year on Kevin and Bean, you know, just about a million people every Friday listen, And I'm, now this is luck, but it is three years, three picks a week <laughs> is I've hit over 60% now on Kevin and Bean, three picks a week for three years. Now, listen, that's luck. If I'm hitting 55, I'm in the NFL, which I originate. I'm a static But it has been a good run. Let's just say that. Um, But the point I was going to make was Miami was so tired, I felt like, in that London game. You could have looked at anything else and added up a lot of half points. And to me, it sounds crazy, but I'm not sure. And and I'm not even sure if I'm right about this. I want to debate this in the offseason. If the line was 10 and a half in that Miami game, when they were only really laying three and then eventually three and a half, I'm not sure I would have played Miami. That seems insane. Cause the theory is lines are off by two points or whatever. But sometimes I think there's just factors so big that the market can't even comprehend. Like they can't really understand how big it is. And I'm not always right about those facts. Sometimes they're not as big, but I think weather's like that sometimes is a couple times that, you know, every five years, maybe there's three games in the NFL that the weather's so bad the total should be like 14 and a half. But what do they do? They bring it to 33. They just can't comprehend making a total of that. And you look and they can't even kick extra point And it's like, it ends up being 12, you know, uh, nine to six or whatever, or, you know, 10 to six. So I, I to me, I, I think that motivation is if we know for sure now, what it could be is that coach comes in and says anyone that doesn't play, you know, hard this game I'm going to sit you and I'm going to suspend you, literally suspend you. And any of those guys that have an NFL dreams, you know, you get suspended once cause of lack. Of, so who knows how they're going to respond to it, but it seems like a huge question mark. Ken leaner, like Auburn, Mississippi. Yeah. I slightly lean towards Auburn. I, you know,
2: I think this team's making some moves now. Uh, to kind of solidify things. Number one, I think Kerryon Johnson, out of the three backs, is going to be the main guy. He's going to get the ball a lot more than Cam Martin, who's a little bit banged up, and Cameron Petway, who was banged up last week. Uh, And also, Jared Stidham looks much more comfortable in the pocket. Look, I know uh, they haven't played the stiffest competition, but they looked pretty darn good last week in blowing out Mississippi State. And I was on the wrong side of that game. I still watched it, and I'll continue to watch games, even if I'm on the wrong side, just to see if a team's going to continually... Uh, continue to do something that I may not think is in their M.O., and Auburn did that. They continued to press the issue even when the game was in hand. They continued to pound it. And next thing I know, I'm like, wow, that's an embarrassing loss, but I'm glad I stayed and watched Auburn because they're a much better team than I thought they were based offensively watching them against Clemson where they struggled and offensive line giving up 11 sacks in that game. That was uh, questionable, but Clemson's D and their D line is that good. And then Ole Miss, just too much Shea Patterson. Wilkins isn't bad out of the backfield, but that's it. Pretty much a two-man tandem. And I watched Cal come back on them and shut them out in the second half in Berkeley and beat them. So it's not that they quit in that game, but they just realized we're not as good. And then they found out going against Bama, boy, how things
1: have changed in a couple years. Both leaning Auburn on that game. Now we've got six games left, and these are the six strongest picks. We've got two totals. Now imagine these guys get to have what did we go over? 14 games today, we're going to go over, and there's two totals that they won each. So they, they really like these totals. Then we've got two double likes. They both like the same game, and two of them were the same team. And finally, Best bet, best bet. The six strongest picks coming up. Here we go. We're going to keep with Ken here because he's got a total on the LSU Florida. Yeah, and this is a team LSU that, boy, again, losing Detroit straight
2: up at home. And I looked at it early. In fact, I did goof around and play him on the money line with New Mexico State. Would have paid just a ridiculous amount, but New Mexico State had already lost by the time Troy, a plus 1,000 dog, ended up covering outright in the Bayou. But uh, Florida, again, now no Luke Del Rio, so, you know, you're down to the two quarterbacks. And I'm not sold that Franks or Zaire is somebody that's going to move the offense consistently. Franks will get the, uh, you know, the start there. But, you know, outside of that long Hail Mary, that ended up uh, covering the line uh, for me late in the game against Tennessee. You know, I haven't seen consistency from the Florida offense. I do know defensively in the swamp, they're going to slow down LSU and LSU is already struggling to move the ball against the likes of Troy and some other teams. So I just don't, you know, see this uh, game getting much higher than, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of
1: 23-17. So I'm going to be on the under in this one. So under 46 and a half right now under LSU Florida. Okay, Brad, give us a leaner like on the side.
3: I lean with Florida. Let me clarify. If you do follow me on Twitter at Brad power seven, you'll see me post it and be ahead of a lot of line moves by betting at the win. This one where I probably was a little too emotional with my bet. Ah, oh, LSU's in the trash. They suck. So I went down there on Sunday, bet a uh, Florida minus five and a half. That line should be a touchdown. No win by a touchdown. Well, now the lines moved against me two points. So I do want to point it out. I made a uh, not so great bet, obviously back in Florida, but here's why I like Florida or I should say lean Florida. Uh, in this one, I can't trust LSU, the program right now. I think it's so toxic surrounding the outside of the locker room that I think it carries over into the locker room. We've seen, well, what's their good game performance this entire season? They crushed BYU in the opener. Oh, that looked good. Well, BYU 0-5 against the spread. They won one game. That that win now looks like garbage. That They obviously almost lose outright at home as a three-touchdown favorite to Syracuse. Do lose outright at At home as a three touchdown favorite, Detroit, and get beat by what looks like now a kind of overrated Mississippi State team by thirty. LSU not not only is it maybe a toxic situation. This team, what a lot of people are saying on the film, looks like the talent level is a little bit down. So give me the Gators as a lean right now. I'm a little scared that the markets against me, but give me the Tigers, uh, not the Tigers, but the Gators minus the point. All
1: right. So Florida open minus five and a half. It's down to minus three minus one fifteen at our representative book. Lean Florida, Brad. We got our single like total from Ken on under forty-six and a half. Okay, second total. We're sticking with Brad here. Wisconsin, Nebraska. Right now, Wisconsin favored by eleven and a half on the road. Totals forty-seven. Two mispricings on the total. Number one, Nebraska's
3: defense is much better than the markets giving them credit for. Everyone remembers the start to the season for Nebraska's defense, where they give up seventy-eight points in the first six quarters. But since then, the defense has only allowed two touchdowns in the last three and a half games. In fact, the offense has given up three pick sixes. So the offense has given up more touchdowns than the defense. Much better defense than what we saw at the start of the year. Markets still haven't corrected themselves. Second one, we had a misleading higher scoring game involving Wisconsin last week. The Northwestern game saw 16 points scored in the final four minutes, put it barely over the total. Two mispricings has me
1: on the under in this game. Under from Brad Powers, that's the one total he gets a week on the Dream Preview. Kenny, give me the side.
2: Well, uh, You know, I'm going to lean towards Nebraska. And Mike Riley knows the writing's on the wall. Realistically, it looks inevitable to me that Scott Frost leaves Central Florida, goes and takes over in Lincoln, and Mike Riley probably gets his job back in Corvallis with Oregon State. I mean, to me, it's setting up that way. But I like the way Nebraska did go into Illinois and shut down the Illini big time. Tanner Lee's not a great quarterback to transfer from Tulane, but he's good enough. And Wilbon and Ezekiel are decent, uh, you know, running backs. And then Pearson Ellen, and, El and Morgan, Stanley Morgan Jr. are, you know, pretty good as far as in the open space receiving the ball. The defense has been a question mark, and they're minus four on the turnover side of things. For Wisconsin, again, that game with uh, Northwestern last week, I think the right team ended up covering. It's just Thorson made a couple mistakes uh, late first half, but Fitzgerald had them ready, and they were they were leading at the half. I mean, straight up in Madison, ten seven. So I was on the right side there, and that was my best bet last week. And we'll get to my best bet later on uh, when I talk. On See the that little, professional yeah, radio teasing hat. But here here's the thing: Horny Brooks, solid. Jonathan Taylor, an outstanding running back. But I think defenses are catching up to him now because they have some film. So you're not seeing the same explosive Jonathan Taylor that you saw early on. Uh, Shaw and James are not bad. The defense is okay. Uh, Fumagalli missed last week and he's a key tight end. Horny Brooks got to have him at a hundred percent for Wisconsin to win any game on the road by double digits inside the big 10. I don't think they're going to get it done. I'm going to lean Nebraska. I think
1: Nebraska keeps this inside double digits. You know, I usually do Fumagalli for the lunch special. Fumagalli. Oh, Fumigali. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm RJ Bell. This is the pregame.com dream preview. Okay, guys, the final four, two double likes, and one best bet each. First game, Michigan, Michigan State, Brad Powers. Unreal that
3: I'm going against some serious history here. Michigan State's covered nine straight times against their big brother, Michigan. But here's where I think it's different this year. Situationally, a great spot for the Wolverines. They come off a of bye. Their quarterback, new quarterback, uh O'Corn, I think might even be possibly an upgrade over Wilton Spate. We at least saw that in the Purdue performance. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Michigan State's off back to back physical games against Notre Dame and Iowa traveling here. I think Michigan had a chance to blow out Michigan State last year, kind of gave up a couple touchdowns late, didn't get the cover. I think they put the hammer on Sparty and finally covered for the first time in a decade in the series. Give
2: me Michigan plus, uh, minus the points.
1: I like on Michigan, Ken. I agree with it
2: 100%. I think. You know, Purdue, unfortunately for the Boilermakers in West Lafayette, they were bummed that they put Spade out by the time that game was said and done because they were controlling Spade. And he doesn't scramble. He doesn't make plays. He doesn't improvise the way O'Corn did. And twice in that game in West Lafayette in the second half, O'Corn made great moves where he was able to fake out the defenders that were oncoming and make that key first down or get that key throw off that changed that game. And Michigan ended up winning 28-10 to 10 in a game they probably should not have covered. Uh, Evans is outstanding. He's starting to be that guy out of the backfield, so they don't have to share the ball as much. Winovich has been great. Him and Bush, a one-two combination, have 10 sacks between them. So I think Michigan as well, at home, I know it's ten and a half, doesn't look like, uh, it looks like too many points in this rivalry, but Lewerke, or Lewerke uh, the quarterback for Michigan State, just too much pressure on him to do too much. You know why? Because L.J. Scott's not really doing much out of the backfield, and if they're not getting help from Davis, And uh, Stewart, as far as receiving the football, this Michigan State's relying too much on Lewerke. And had he not gotten some key run first downs against Iowa, they would not have covered that game down the stretch at home in a game. Again, yardage-wise looked good, but they just let teams hang around, and they won't be hanging
1: around this game. I think Michigan blows out Michigan State. All right, double-like. Double-like Michigan State. Okay, the second of Michigan. Oh, Michigan! Yeah, we're both we're like, on Michigan. I just can't Michigan. even say that. I'm yeah, uncomfortable yeah, with. it. <laughs> yeah. I know well, it was Michigan. I was yeah. just being on. Un- <laughs> I was just hoping. You know, yeah, I won't get into Michigan. We'll we'll save that when we. Gone Here, so here's long. a
2: here's a Buckeye. Uh, yeah.
1: You know, listen. <laughs> I, you know, you gotta wonder. Let's just take a minute. Is let's say Michigan finishes top ten the next. How many years has Harbaugh been there? Two now. Is this his third third year? All right, so let's say for the next eight years, Michigan finishes top ten, doesn't win any national titles, and loses all eight to Ohio State. Is Michigan happy? The state of Michigan? No. So they can be top ten in the country. It's just like you weren't happy when John Cooper was your coach, two and ten. Yeah, against but he Michigan. didn't even lose those Michigan games. He would two lose the ten. bowl games no, too. No. Two and ten against Michigan. Yeah, and he lost the bowl game. Yes, if you, right. you could lose Michigan and win some bowl games too. Oh, I didn't like Cooper at all. Ooh. Well, listen. When Tressel came in and we won a national title, like a couple years later, got to take you know, there's something there, right? Did you get to keep that one. You, you know, that's interesting because when you have that many, we no, could no, have I'm just one wondering pulled, with the claret. We could have and... pulled, a, we could have one pulled away, and it would be really like you guys get away with. Did you really notice
2: there, like, tattoos and giving away uniform stuff? And you know, fun. it, it, it's that funny happen? even
1: saying that makes it seem ludicrous. Yeah. Like, why <laughs> does it matter? All right, the host is talking. The next double like. Two of two. Ohio State, Maryland. Hmm. I wonder where Ken's going. Well, uh, you know,
2: 31's too many points. I say, <laughs> hey, well, here's the thing. I said that Maryland was a better team when they went to Texas, got that win than anybody thought. And here they are, poor Maryland, down to a third string quarterback in Bortenschlager. What does he do? He goes into Minnesota, wins the game outright. Yes, I had them on the money line. Unfortunately, I had them parlayed with Northwestern on the money line. Had I had Maryland and Troy, who I nailed both of them, I. Probably wouldn't be sitting here. I'd have a stunt double right here because uh, I'd be out in the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> uh, getting a good rate now, I'm sure, after a hurricane season. But it's a Maryland team that plays hard, and, and I really like the way this team's playing. And I think there's a lot of speed there. And Johnson and Harrison out of the backfield are outstanding. So they combined last week for 205 yards and a touchdown. Again, a good one-two combo. Look, Ohio State's going to win the game more than likely, but can't take it for granted because there, are, there is talent More so on Maryland than any of these, you know, patsies that Ohio State's been playing the last couple of weeks, like UNLV. Hey, come on into Columbus. JT Barrett, again, overrated, but still has a nice cast. Dobbins is good. Williams a little bit banged up out of the backfield. Love Nick Bosa. Uh, Paris Campbell leads the receiving core that's pretty consistent. Buckeyes win the game, but I think it's within 10.
1: So Ken likes Ohio State? And I like Maryland 31 Okay, plus thirty (laughs) one,
2: and I think this is a 10 point game, 10 to 15 points.
3: Wow. Yeah. Brad. Yeah. I don't, I'd be be happy if Ohio state wins by 30 here because I have been dead wrong on Maryland games this year, especially
1: so you like Maryland. I like, now I respect that because I know your objective. Go ahead. Yeah.
3: I mean, I've been on Maryland been against Maryland. I can't get it right. So hopefully we get it right this week. Here's where, I downgraded Maryland too much last week. I thought going to a third string quarterback from what I saw in the game against central Florida, I thought this guy has no prayer against Minnesota. Well, he looked, you know, not only did he look competent, he made some plays, had over 200 yards passing and cut a couple of touchdown passes. I just wondered the motivation. And that's what it comes down here for urban Meyer. They were motivated last week, put one on Rutgers. But the reality is like you mentioned, Ken Maryland's got a lot more playmakers and we saw it in the Texas game. And UNLV and Rutgers. And the Buckeyes haven't been a great big favorite lately. You think Urban Meyer runs up the score? He hasn't been doing so. 6-12 against the spread the last 18 times. They've been a three-touchdown favorite.
2: And, R.J., another thing. When a a quarterback comes in and he's a third stringer in the midst of a game, a middle of a game he's not expecting to be in, all of a sudden stats may be atrocious. When he has a chance to work with the first team that whole week and get ready and get acclimated and study the film knowing he's the guy, sometimes you get guys to step
1: up like Borden Schlager did last week in Minnesota. Okay, we got two best bets coming up. First, though, I teased it early. We started with a coupon a couple weeks ago, and I was shocked at the number of uses. And last week, I put a challenge out. I said, I'm going to up the coupon a dollar every week that we break records when it comes to the use of this coupon. Figuring, hey, as long as you guys like it, and keep sharing, and that's the key. It's not so much, oh, you you can only use the coupon once, so you can't use it more than once, but if you share with your friends, not only does it up the chance, you know, sharing the dream preview, not only does it up the chance that uh, there's going to be more coupons used, which will keep this little streak going, but number two, the more listeners we have, the more time and money that we can put into this. And as you guys can see, we're going to finish about an hour and a half. When we started, we were at 55 minutes. Why? You know, with, with this dream preview last year, why? Because the response this year has been so outstanding. So please. Oh, well, congratulations. You guys broke the record again and it wasn't even close. I guess putting a fire under their butts, got people sharing, please continue. I'm keeping my word. We're going to upgrade now to a $12 discount. Started at 10, went to 11 last week. We're up to 12. Here's the coupon CFB Dream 12. Now, the 12 is a one and a two. CFB college football, right? CFB Dream for Dream Preview 12. CFB Dream 12. All one word, all caps. You can get 12 bucks off anything or any college pick at pregame.com or group of picks. Brad Powers got his very best stuff there. You know how good he is. Ken Thompson. Very best stuff up at pream.com. You know how good he is. And if you don't use the coupon, no problem. Some people don't buy pics. We are fine with that. It's, picks are there for people who enjoy the idea of the very best stuff. They're batting a little bit more. Whatever your reasons are, that's fine. If your reasons are no, that's fine too. But do us a favor. Help everybody else. If you love the Dream Preview, spread the word. Or go into your podcast player. It could be iTunes, Apple, whatever it is. And give us a five-star rating. That helps. That really helps new people find the pod. Anything to help us, we appreciate it. And obviously, we appreciate you. You can see with the effort we put in the preview. One more time, CFB Dream 12. And that's good through Saturday. Okay, best bet time. Our first best bet goes to, so you can't fade Ohio State or play on Michigan. So who knows what you're going to do here. Best bet of the week from Kent. Uh, best bet last week was Northwestern at Wisconsin, and they got the cover,
2: took care of business. Again, had that three-point lead at halftime, and so when you have double digits like that, you're able to goof around if you want and find a nice, fat middle. I just stayed pat on Northwestern, knowing that I had the best number. Uh, Penn State at Northwestern now. Again, a Penn State team. A lot of respect for this team, but still, I just think a little bit fraudulent. Uh, you know, McSorley's putting up okay numbers, nothing great. Uh, they've given up 11 sacks. That concerns me if I'm a Penn State fan. Look, Saquon Barkley's got nice numbers. They're not gaudy numbers. They're good enough, and uh, they underuse Gasicki. As far as I'm concerned, I think if you use the big six foot seven tight end a lot more instead of just 20 receptions so far this year, that that's going to really open things up for Hamilton and Johnson. Johnson, of course, has the one touchdown catch that beat Iowa in the last play of the game. You still have two solid defender defenders as far as from the uh, linebacking and DB uh, position with Kabinda and Allen that lead the defense. But Northwestern now is going home, and they're going home. With a lot of confidence, knowing that they were within seven points of Wisconsin inside the final two minutes and they had the football. Now, uh, a, a brain cramp from Thorson. I mean, how do you take a sack in the end zone when you're outside the tackle? It should never happen. It did. They lose the game by nine. He knew about it. Fitzgerald was bummed out, looked at him like, what are you doing? is just a brain cramp. Now Justin Jackson needs to get out of his own way. This guy has potential to be one of the best backs in the country. In fact, coming in, a lot of us thought he was, but he has underachieved. If he can have a game, ride the home crowd, take pressure off Thorson, that'll open things up the uh the receiving core. Nobody flashy, nobody good blue-collar guys take care of the football, shorten the game. I think Northwestern's right in this game. I got it at 14 and a half. It's down to 14 at home. I think
1: Northwestern has a chance to knock off Penn State straight up. Wow. Best bat, Northwestern. What's your quick thoughts on that, Brad? Uh, I lean with Northwestern. I think Penn State's off a misleading
3: final last week, had a couple of non-offensive touchdowns, benefited from plus three turnovers, yards in that game were even. It's a Penn State that I haven't seen them put the complete game together yet, and I don't know if we're going to see it. They just can't click. On everything, offense, defense, special teams all in the
2: same game. And I like Northwestern with
3: a chip on their shoulder. They've beaten Penn State the last two times they played outright. So
2: they're going to have some confidence. If, they, if Penn State screws around like they did in Iowa, where they outgained the, the, the Hawkeyes by 300 yards and had to win the game in the last play, if they do anything close to that,
1: Thorson and company will score enough and beat them straight up. All right, Ken Thompson, we mentioned it. He has a five-day-a-week radio show, two hours a night. You can check that out on Twitter with him. It's at sports X radio sports X radio and all his best stuff up at pregame.com best bet. Number two, our final game, Brad powers.
3: I am going to the mountain West and taking on the team. That's dominated the conference the last three years. It's San Diego state last 20 conference games. They've won 18 of them straight up 17 by double digits. And that's what they're laying in this one, 10 and a half against UNLV. They've covered 14 of them. They put a lot more emphasis on the conference schedule than they do the non conference. Well, this year, they actually have overachieved in the non conference schedule. Comes down to matchups for me. UNLV wants to run the ball. Well, what does San Diego State do best on the defense side of the ball? They stop the run. UNLV on the defense side of the ball, what do they struggle with? Stopping the run. Well, what does San Diego State do best on offense? It's run the football, so a mismatch at the line of scrimmage in favor of San Diego State. It's their first conference game of the season. They'll be very motivated. They had a lackluster effort last week against Northern Illinois. Rocky Long's an old-time coach that usually after a a subpar performance, he gets them right back motivated the next week. And UNLV overpriced in this marketplace. Who the heck cares that they beat San Jose State last week? Arguably a bottom-two team in the country. Give me the Aztecs minus the points. Ooh, that's strong.
1: That's a professional level presentation. Ken, what do you think of this game?
2: But here's the thing. I, and I'm going sli- to like, a slight, I like lean, it. a slight, a slight like lean it. with UNLV. And here's why I don't think we know what we have here. And we're probably going to miss these guys when they leave, but Armani Rogers and Lexington Thomas are two of the better athletes at the quarterback and running back position that UNLV has had in the last 15 years. Devontae Boyd, the sad thing is, he's a senior because he's one of these blue-chip receivers that they're not going to have around after this year to be with Rodgers and Thomas. Sure, you look at Idaho, uh, you win that game by 28. You beat San Jose by 28. But let's look at the Idaho game. Up there at the Kibbe Dome, a very weird place to play after you get embarrassed by losing to Division II or FCS school Howard uh, the biggest point spread of all times. So you could easily go up there and get whipped by Idaho because a lot of people thought you would. Instead, what do they do? They bounce back. They don't just win the game and cover the six-point number. No, they win the game by 28 points. Then they go to the horseshoe off a of bye, and they play Ohio State. Look, you're not going to beat Ohio State. They're down 34 points early in that game. They could have easily just said, okay, let's go home. We're going to lose this game like Rutgers will, 59 nothing." no. They end up coming back, covering the line. 54 21 the final. Only lose by 33 points. They showed me some heart there. They showed me something. Look, San Diego State, you're right. They've played well out of conference. But the one conference game, they got a big break. Why? Because it stopped raining. The torrential downpour, if there was no lightning there, Air Force would have beat them. San Diego State couldn't move the ball. As good as Rashad Penny is, I'm watching because I had San Diego State minus the three in that game, had a good number, and they could not move the ball. Thank goodness. They had the delay, and then they came out and the field was dry, and San Diego State held on for dear life and got the cover by a point. Now, they play like that on the road, anywhere lackluster, and Chapman doesn't throw it real well, so they'll rely on Penny and Washington out of the backfield. Look, Malik, call it Michael Holder. He's a good receiver, but he's got no touchdowns. Uh, Warring, same thing. He got two touchdowns as far as receiving-wise. So it puts a lot of pressure on that offensive line of San Diego State to dominate UNLV. UNLV's going to have somewhat of a crowd. San Diego State will bring some people here, too. So it would probably be about 50-50. But I think San Diego State will find out that Armani Rogers and Lexington Thomas are both outstanding athletes And Thomas even ran for 80 plus yards against Ohio state. Look, I know a lot of it may have been against their second stringers. Their second stringers there on that defense are better than most first stringers in the mountain West. I think UNLV has got an outside chance to hang in this game. I don't think they win it, but I think they can hang within the touchdown.
1: Well, listen, I love, love, love that you guys cannot wonder if they're holding back, say, Oh, let's be nice to each other. They fire and give you the truth. and, Pros disagree sometimes. Brad, did anything Ken say cause you to reconsider?
3: Yeah, there's some pause for concern because San Diego State's off a lot of physical games in a row. Arizona State, Stanford, Air Force last week against Northern
1: Illinois. But this is stuff but you consider.
2: I consider this because... But you said they underachieved against Northern Illinois. But Northern Illinois is a good team out of yeah, that kind of and physical the team. They're
3: finally taking a step down in class. They haven't played a team like this since the opener. I mean, if they're beating teams straight up by a touchdown or more, the likes of Arizona State,
2: Stanford. But this Air is Armani Force. Rogers' first year here for UNLV, and so they lose to Howard to Cam Newton's brother. But then they bounce back, and he looked darn good. He looked like he belonged in in the horseshoe there on the opposing but team. Lost he was by able to, thirty some points, but covered the number. Okay, covered the number, but still came and came back. They were getting goose egg thirty four nothing. They came back, covered that game. They put up three touchdowns on Ohio State in the horseshoe. We'll see now because they're going down in class from Ohio State to San Diego State.
3: And here's what I love relying on moving here to Vegas is guys that have been here 15, 20 years start falling in love with this UNLV program. I like to make money, so I always not think in UNLV love is paying a premium if you want to back them here because <laughs> all the locals want to bet UNLV. I'm playing against them, and I have made money playing against UNLV not, the last RJ, of not
2: falling in love, but, uh, but being smart enough to understand because I have been here long enough to realize that Armani Rogers is the most athletic quarterback that UNLV has had in a long time. He makes plays. There are very few quarterbacks that UNLV has had in the last 20 years that make plays on their own and have a reliable running back in Lexington Thomas. And had Charles Williams not gotten hurt, that would have been another running back uh, that they had there that went over 100 yards in the first game. So, you know, those two guys, though, they're going to keep them in it. And remember the senior receiver in Devontae Boyd, He's bigger than anybody San Diego State has on defense. He'll go up and he'll make some key catches. He'll stay
1: within ten. All right. Brad Powers on Twitter and he sends out the links to all his stuff at pregame. It's Brad Powers7 and also up at pregame.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Real quick, teasing to the NFL Dream Preview. Steve Fezzik. And the ticket is up on my Twitter right now at RJ in Vegas. He hit. A fifty-five thousand dollar five hundred and fifty two one hundred dollar parlay won him fifty-five thousand. Now that's a story. The tickets out there. This story makes it ten times more amazing. His tenth game, the Kansas City Chiefs. Wowza off of that cover. The miracle. As I said on Twitter, nine parts skill, one part insanity. We'll be talking all about that. Just get the NFL drink preview. Talk to you then.
0: Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJInVegas. Live the dream with us each week. Hey, my name is James Petragallo. I'm Jimmy Westman. Please join us every single Tuesday for Crime in Sports so fun. You like sports? You don't have to. Let's just set up a context and find
1: out what an idiot did wrong. I what do you like say? It. I'm in. We're going to do that each and every week. We take an athlete, we break him down, we make fun of everything he's ever done. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But in order to do that, we have to build up and tell you all about their career and get you to what, James? To grace. grace. That's and then right. watch them fall from grace Who as they like inevitably that? do. Join us. Big criminals, small yeah. criminals, sports you've never heard of. Yeah. Doesn't
1: matter. It's the crime. It's the comedy. It's such a good time. Join us every Tuesday for
0: Crime in Sports. You can join us every Tuesday at podcast1.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on all Apple products. Find us every Tuesday and laugh at people. Podcast One Sports presents Attack Each Day, the Harbaughs podcast. Every Tuesday, you can hear Jack Harbaugh.
2: We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind.
0: Jim Harbaugh.
2: What
1: the hell's going on around here?
0: And JT Rogan share their stories from on and off the field. Past guests include John Harbaugh, ESPN's Adam Schefter, and Pardon My Takes, PFT, and Big Cat. So don't miss an episode of Attack Each Day, the Harbaughs podcast. Every Tuesday, exclusive. Exclusively on PodcastOne.com and the new Podcast One app. Just a sample of what's coming to Podcast One Sports.